Hi, Taylor. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Honey and Heart podcast. Actually, the final episode in our season one, our first year of Honey and Heart. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. We're so excited for what's to come next. This past season, we released new episodes every other Wednesday. Going into season two, we're switching things up. We are now going to be releasing episodes every week on Thursdays. Look out for that, and then we'll have more info coming out about Season 2 on our website and our email list. So you definitely want to sign up for that at honeyandheartpod.com. And of course, follow us on Instagram at honeyandheartpod. If you have already been a part of the Honey and Heart community, thank you so much for being here. It's pretty crazy that this podcast has been going on for a year. We launched in... January of 2021, and we're excited that this will now close our first year and we'll be coming back next year, early 2022, like Taylor said on Thursdays, to stay up to date with us. Make sure that you've got notifications turned on and you're following us on socials. Thanks again to the lovely Bo McDowell for our intro music. And now, folks, let's get into the episode. So, we're going to give you a part two of our health insurance episode because we ran out of time. And wanting to include some final points we thought would be really helpful for us all to know because I learned some shit in that episode and sure y'all did too because health insurance is confusing. Yes. And it's also just so exciting and interesting that we couldn't contain it to one episode. But we're hoping that this will be a good way to wrap up and also a really fun last episode for us. So without further ado... Let's jump into it. We wanted to chat about the different types of healthcare plans. We'll go over the three most popular that folks are on. These are people in the U.S. There's three different plan types, so we'll give you some more information for those so that you can hopefully pick a good plan for you in the coming year. So there are three main types, right? The most popular, I believe, would be HMO. Most popular, definitely depending on where you are. I think if you're a California listener and you're a California resident like Taylor, HMOs are really popular. The mega corporation that is Kaiser Permanente is really big in California and they really specialize in these style plans. So that's an HMO plan. And how an HMO plan works, I think Taylor gave a description of a scenario her and Justin went through in the last episode. Shout out to the Pooper Scooper story. But HMO plans, it's a plan style where basically everything is in-house. So for the Kaiser example, you go to Kaiser doctors at a Kaiser hospital and you use Kaiser insurance. So something that's really nice about that is it's one system. It's all in one care. And the people who are giving you your care also understand the insurance. It's all under one roof. But with that, there are definitely some restrictions like out-of-network care. So for example, um, with an HMO, if you live in California and you are vacationing in Florida and want to get a casual prescription or run into an urgent care, that's going to be a no-go. Unfortunately, with that plan style, unless you're in an emergency, you're not going anywhere. So life or limb, you got to stay close to home with an HMO. I wanted to bring this up. I don't know if anybody in the world listening to this is like considering having a baby or potentially has high care needs, but this is just a 
good anecdote. So my coworker has insurance through Kaiser and with their HMO to have a baby, it only costs them $250 because on that plan, you just have to pay to like go into the hospital. So if you have some time today and want to go down a wormhole, feel free to Google how much insurance, uh, how much it costs to have a baby, even with insurance. It'll be really hard to find a straightforward answer. And every estimate is going to be in the thousands, maybe even tens of thousands. So on an HMO plan, you pay 250 bucks to stay the night in the hospital and that's all you pay. So pretty rad. Yeah, that's amazing. I think the biggest downside to an HMO for me, I've had HMO, I've had a PPO, which we'll go into next too, but is the referral process. And like having this established care with a general practitioner, which is like something you should do anyways, right? But also it could be annoying sometimes, especially if you like know you need to see a specialist for something. Even if you like, you know, get a foot injury or something, you still have to go see your general practitioner who's then going to recommend you to a podiatrist. And like, that's still the route you have to go, even though if you know, obviously, okay, my, my GP doesn't work on feet. <laughs> like I, I know I have to go see a specialist. You still have to go the extra steps. And sometimes, I don't know, recently for me, getting a doctor's appointment has been months out, you know, which I've always heard people say is a downside of socialized medicine, but we don't have socialized medicine. And here we are. Here I am waiting in line. Like I've forgotten my last few doctor's appointments because I make them four months out and fucking forget. Like I can't, I can't remember appointment for, and it's on my calendar. So before somebody tells me to put on my calendar. Yeah. And I put a reminder and it's in my planner and on my phone calendar. So I really did everything I could. I really did, but it's just too far out. I think that's an annoying step and just the other restrictions. Yeah. And the self-referred thing, that is very true. Like if you had a rash on your back, you would have to go to your general physician to then have them refer you to a dermatologist. And that's waiting for two appointments now. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. That's a really good point, Taylor. Yeah, that could be like freaking eight months out. Yeah. And at that point, the rash is over your entire back. Yeah. (laughs) But you're going to urgent care and now paying whatever your urgent care costs are. Yeah. This two episode series is really just an entry for us to talk about socialized healthcare next season. Yeah, pretty much. We'll all get on the same page about the American system and then we can talk about how to make it better next season. Yeah, we had to tell, you know, we had to go into what we currently have before we could discuss anything more. Okay. PPOs though. PPO. I would say PPO is probably the most popular plan style. The big thing with PPOs is that you can self-refer. Yeah. It's more expensive though. That's why I think the HMO, well, maybe it's California, like you said, is like the default from what I've seen working in California. It's like companies, like if they're going to cover anything, they cover 100% of an HMO plan, but you can pay more if you want a PPO plan, which is, I would say, worth it. I mean, again, depending on who you are, if you're someone who doesn't really go to the doctor, you should probably go at least once a year. (laughs) But if you have nothing wrong with you and you're totally healthy and you're just going for your physical and never get into any accidents or have any mysterious rashes appear, 
then I guess go for the HMO. But I like PPO because I like to go to the dermatologist and I don't want to have to go see my GP to go treat my wrinkles or acne when, of course, I just need to go to a fucking dermatologist for that. And another nice thing about the PPO is that you have flexibility within network and out of network. So on an HMO plan, you're all or nothing. So like for the Kaiser example, you have to go to Kaiser unless life or limb. But on a PPO, if there's some really great dermatologist, like this is something that's happened to me, actually, like I have really bad eczema. It took me a really long time to get it under control. I saw a lot of dermatologists and I just kept getting put on steroid after steroid that wasn't helping. So then there came a point where it was like, all right, who's just the best dermatologist? Who can I go to to help me get this squared away? And that person isn't always in network with your insurance. So with a PPO, you're not always going to get reimbursed like the most and more than likely you will never get reimbursed back a hundred percent. But if you need to go see someone and they happen to be out of network, you have that like additional support option for reimbursement. So that can be nice too. I think all around, it's just better, better option than the HMO. Like I said, if you don't go to the doctor that much, then it doesn't matter too much to you. But it can get really pricey, especially if you are planning to have a family and then have to add dependents to your plan. It can really start to add up. And I think that's why the HMOs look more attractive to some people once it gets to that point. And you have like three dependents you need to add. I know people who are paying over $1,000 a month for the family's health insurance coverage. And some places that's freaking that's rent. So, or your mortgage payment. I mean, it's the difference between one job and another. Like if you get paid 60,000 and you have really low premiums because your employer pays for all of it or because you have a great plan or whatever reason, like I've had people call me at my job and say like, Hey, now that I'm looking at how much all my insurance costs, like it wasn't worth it for me to make the jump a thousand dollars a year. That's 12 grand. Let's, you know, those are things you should factor in. Maybe, I don't know if this is me being like risk averse. I am a little risk averse, but my dad always said to like, keep in mind how much your benefits are because certain jobs, they might be paying you more, but especially if you have kids, like single folks, like we'll get away with this for a while. But when it gets to the point where like you're taking medication regularly, where you have kids, good insurance it could make the difference. Yeah. And you need to look into this before accepting a job offer for sure. Like this is why it's important to understand it, not just like what your current coverage is, but to have an understanding of healthcare overall. So when you are looking to switch jobs, you can look at these things and negotiate accordingly because it's important. And then our last plan, Jacqueline, you're going to have to talk about this one because I have never heard of this. I've heard of an HSA. So the last plan is a high deductible health plan with an HSA. But I will say you do not have to have a high deductible health plan to have an HSA. Yes, you do. I've had an HSA on a PPO. Have you had an FSA? No, it was HSA. Maybe California is different. Oh, wait. So this is actually a really good point. So sometimes the coding on the plan is called a PPO, but the style is a high deductible health plan. So that's actually a really good point. So sometimes it might say, and I wonder, 
maybe like the terminology on a particular plan might say high deductible health plan, but a high deductible health plan is really the same as a PPO, except it just has an incredibly high deductible. So for it to qualify as a high deductible health plan, it needs to be more than $1,500, I think. That's how high deductibles over $1,500. Under over $1,500. Oh, then it probably definitely was because... Uh, granted, I was on this health plan for like two years, like three and a half years ago. <laughs> so when I barely understood insurance, but I do know that I could self-refer when I was on that plan. Yes. And I had an HSA. Yes. So it was probably a PPO style plan with a high deductible. So they're usually anywhere from like 1500 to $2,800. So 1500 to 2800 So sometimes they are called PPO, so that's something to keep an eye out for. But if it has that HSA, it's because the plan has a high deductible. And so what that means is we kind of talked about this on the last episode, but with the high deductible, you have to pay out of pocket up to your deductible. So like your deductible is, there's like a threshold. Let's say your high deductible plan is $2,800 you would essentially have to pay out of pocket full retail costs of $2,800. And then once that cap has been reached, the plans are really, really good. You get close to, I would say for some plans, you'd get close to, if not 100% coverage for in-network care, which can be difficult to get sometimes. Percentage is that high. So this actually seems like it could be a really good option. When I got my HSA, my company that I worked for would give me money into that HSA annually. So, you know, even with the high deductible, well, I had money in my HSA automatically already. So... I got $1,500 as a single person every year into an HSA account. And this company is the company that had the best benefits I've ever had. So if you don't have these benefits, don't feel bad. I don't have them now. So, you know, $1,500. And then I don't remember, I have no clue what my deductible was. But you, most of the time, I was spending less that per year on my healthcare costs. And then your HSA gets to act like an additional retirement account, essentially. And that's where it really benefits you. So yes, I said earlier that before you hit your deductible, you have to pay all costs out of pocket, 100%. How you can help offset that cost is with an HSA, a health savings account. So you as the employee can take money from your paycheck to set aside and put in that account and it's not taxed. So like that's a benefit to you to not have to worry about tax on that money because it's essentially being set aside to pay for healthcare. But where it's even more beneficial is like Taylor said, when your employer contributes as well. So like sometimes your employer will contribute $100 a month. You could contribute $40 a month and use that for anything from band-aids to prescriptions to doctor's office co-pays to thermometers. Or if you really level up, it can be used as an additional savings account or like Taylor said, even a retirement fund. If you look at the things that you can use an HSA for, some of them are really surprising too. Like down to like safety things in your house. Like I think you could buy like obviously a first aid kit, but like fire extinguishers, like I would pay for my glasses with it, which there's a lot of things on that list that you wouldn't think of. Some of them 
not all, but I know some of them even cover like pet health care. You just got to read a list and you'd be surprised. But like going to get massages, you could use your HSA to get massages, acupuncture. So anything that's like even wellness related, like your vitamins, you could buy your vitamins on it. Certain types of specialist stuff like a nutrition or if things like a lactation consultant, like stuff that probably would not be included on your insurance unless you have really, really good insurance. You could help offset the cost with this HSA account. And all of this is Googleable. Like there's a list. If you just look up like HSA eligible expenses, the first thing on Google, it's going to be a long list and you'll be very surprised. Because it's pre-tax money, that's huge savings. You're talking like 30% savings, right? I don't know what your taxes are, but it's pretty close to around that number. I have literally no idea, so I'll just take your word for it. You should know. I know. <laughs> don't you look at your paychecks ever? Yeah, actually, you know, it's, this is like really embarrassing. And as somebody like on this podcast, like talking as an authority, I'm not. I hope I don't. I'm not talking as an authority, actually. This is me really humbling myself. but. I've reached out to my job to try and figure out like how to start a 401k. And they were like, oh, actually, you're automatically enrolled in the 401k. And we've been taking contributions out of your paycheck. Haven't you noticed? And I was like, no. Don't feel bad because it did take me like a year and a half to notice that there was one paycheck a month that was like $100 less. And it took me a year and a half to realize that. Do you know why? There was like a program where they would pay my student loans, pre-tax. Oh, mm-hmm. But, you know, got a hundred dollars taken out of my paycheck. So I was paying it, but I was paying it pre-tax, which was nice. But yeah, I didn't notice for like a year and a half. So don't feel too bad. <laughs> but the taxes I definitely noticed because it's sad sometimes to see how much I have. And, and it wouldn't be sad if it was going to the right things. Absolutely. <laughs> and, it, and we had the right benefits. I would be very happy. But I am sad knowing that it's basically going into the abyss or our military or something that definitely needs more money than an RDM. So an HSA, you can't just go and get by yourself. No. So you can real quick. I want to talk about something with the medical plan. The medical plan itself, the type of people it does not benefit is ones who have really, really high medical expenses, never reach their deductible and wind up paying out of pocket for all of their care. So I just wanted to touch on that, that like if you're somebody who goes to the doctor often, you get blood work regularly, you have expensive prescriptions, like this is not something that I'd recommend. But if you are not in that category, then having a high deductible health plan and getting an HSA is really rad because even when you leave that employer, you can still have your HSA and you can still contribute to it. And once your HSA balance is at $2,000, you can start investing it. So like once you've had a high deductible health plan, you can keep that HSA because There's also FSAs, flexible savings accounts. That's something different. This is health savings accounts. They're set up just like a regular bank account. So that money is yours. So even if you leave your employer and you have money sitting in there, you can take that with you. You can follow up at any time and take that with you. That's your money. And once there's more than $2,000 through your HSA like vendor, they become your bank and you can invest your HSA funds. So after I left that employer, I could have kept my account and been contributing to it still. What the fuck? I didn't close it, so it might still exist. It's just been dormant. 
but they might have closed me out on their own. You know how they do that? I should check. It would be worth checking. I did have a tax document, whatever, 1044. I don't know what the number is. I don't are. know which one it is. Some tax document that I had to give to my <laughs> tax person last year. So it did exist because they knew about it and asked me for the form. One nice thing with an HSA, too, is you can, like, take it with you. So if your new employer has an HSA, you can roll over that account to be with your new employer. Or if they don't, but you're like, hey, it's still beneficial for me to have this account, it can just be yours. And you can access it outside of your employer or your ex-employer, excuse me. Wow. I'm just quit my job, about to start a new one. And if they have an HSA plan available, I think I'm signing up for that then. Especially if you could reach like the $2,000 relatively soon. Yeah. Well, and if you remember, you know, from our episode with Hannah, little finance girl, you can only put $6,000 into your Roth IRA every year. And it's fucked up. (laughs) And HSA could really help. And you can... Use that money, you know, at any time for expenses, yeah. too. So, you know, if you're banking on it and then later have something come up medically, you could be extra double covered and not have to, like, God forbid, if you had to pull from your retirement account, better to pull it from an HSA than your 401k. Absolutely. People often talk about HSAs as like free money. And to me, that was always a red flag. Like I remember at my like last job, everyone's like, yeah, I just have the HSA because it's free money. And I would think nothing's free. Like y'all are getting played. I'm not, I'm not doing this to myself, but there is definitely a way to work it where it's super beneficial to you. And if your employer contributes, the reason they're contributing is to like help offset your potentially high cost. But If you don't have high cost and better yet, you have low to no medical costs, then it kind of is free money. I mean, it's money that your employer's giving you for working at the job. Absolutely. Nothing is free. That's such a better way to phrase it. Well, I think that's it on health insurance. I hope you guys have a way better understanding now and look at your stuff for open enrollment. If you're starting a new job. Re-listen to these episodes before you pick your health insurance plan. I know I'm going to in two weeks from now once I start my new gig because I get options. Your new higher enrollment, your 30-day new higher enrollment window. Yeah. What I talk about all day. <laughs> oh, and also if you're scared about like switching over to a new job and not like having health insurance coverage, I think you get like a three-month grace period to not have to be covered. I do not know about that. I think that's the case. That was the last time I asked when I I was worried, like when I switched jobs last time. Again, that was three years ago. But they told me I had like a three month grace period because insurance doesn't kick in right away when you start a new job. Yeah. And so it does depend. Like every job is different. So typically there's like three different types of like when your insurance starts. It's either date of hire, first of month following date of hire or three months following first of month date of hire. So typically if like you quit your job on the 15th, your insurance is good through the end of the month. So I guess one last insurance thing we've been talking about if you have a job, if you're quitting your job, it's good to confirm how long your insurance is good through. Sometimes it ends on your last day. Sometimes it's the end of the month. And then also confirm with your new job when your insurance starts. Yeah, I did not confirm that, but I was just hoping because I quit in the middle of the month. It's good to the end because yesterday I went and got my teeth cleaned. I went and did my blood work. I was like, gotta get this shit done. It's 
good until the end of the month. Odds are. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, they probably won't just cut me off right away because of like when they sign you up. Your employer pays for you per month. So sometimes employers stop your insurance day of and there's like things they figure out with the insurance carrier. But at the beginning of every month, the dental carrier says like how many people are on this plan and they say 100. So it's not until next month when the dental carrier asks again. So you should be fine. Cool. Otherwise, I got to pay like a couple hundred bucks probably for a tooth clean, but no x-rays. So Ooh, all right. I got my x-rays done last time. I think I'm in need of a dentist appointment. I didn't go for the longest time. I love the dentist. I honestly do. I'm a little bit embarrassed because I've had braces twice and I need braces again. (laughs) Oh, really? I mean, it's not a need, right? It's cosmetic, but I'm going to have a lisp. I know that already. Yeah, for like six months. Jocelyn, that's a long time to have a lisp. I'm starting a new job and I'm they're going to be like, oh, the new girl with the lisp. I'm also very forgetful. So I'll like, I'll eat lunch and then. Oh, I think I would do that too. Eat with them a lot. I'd forget like five hours later. I'd be like, oh shit, I'm not wearing these trays. So I'm really considering doing like those clear braces. On your tops and your bottoms? They said they'd have to do them both. My top teeth are pretty straight, but they said to just align them, they would. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like bottom would be pretty inconspicuous. Like, I think you could definitely get away with it on bottom. If I could just do the bottom, it would be awesome. Well, I also just meant for, like, not noticing your braces. Like, I think you should do whatever the orthodontist tells you. But for the clear, invisible braces, like, when people have bottom stuff on their teeth, like, you saying your bottom teeth are jacked, I don't know that I ever noticed. I only see these ones, top row. I only really notice when I start like making TikTok videos or something or like record me talking on my Instagram story or for this podcast like we're doing right now that I watch it back and I'm like, oh my God. Because like, I don't know, my upper mouth, right? When I talk, it's just my bottom mouth. No, the top doesn't move. Does your top move? No, mandible is movable. And then this is all your maxilla. So this is like... Anatomy lesson here. My mom was in x-ray school. When we learned about the human body in PE class in like second, third, and fourth grade, like just the bones and the muscles, like really basic. My mom also happened to be going through x-ray school. So I was like her study buddy. And so there are some bones and like some of her memory tricks to know like all the bones and all the muscles in the body. Some of them really stuck. Do you have TMJ? I don't have TMJ that like I've noticed, but even still, I've been thinking about sleeping with a night guard because I'm so clenched all the time. I think it'd be beneficial. Sometimes when I wake up, I feel like I have to remove my bottom jaw from my face. I did used to be a teeth biter when I was younger though. At night or grinder, grinder, right? Teeth grinder, biter, whatever. (laughs) I'd bite my own teeth. (laughs) Do you have TMJ? Yeah, it's very mild, but You know, if I open too wide, it does the weird, like, poppy thingy, like, comes out. For a while, it sounded like every time I chewed, there was, like, or every time my jaw moved, there was, like, cellophane in my ears. Like, a crunching, crackling feeling. And I just ignored it, and it went away. I get that when I open too wide. It's only when I open too wide. The audio of this episode is so stupid, you guys. I hope you're doing it with us because you can see Taylor and I. Put your hands right by your ears, right? And then open. 
Can you feel it? Does it pop out? Oh, it definitely pops. Sometimes when I yawn, it a million percent pops in and pops out. Yeah, that's the TMJ thing. They check that at the dentist. Oh, well, they've never told me. When's the last time you went? Well, really, I go to a dentist pretty often. I'm honestly probably only a year late. My last dentist appointment was with my last job. And it was COVID. It was COVID in Oregon. Oh my God. I got my teeth cleaned in July. And the only reason I say COVID Oregon is because it was taken very seriously there compared to where I live now. But for this dentist appointment, I just stand outside and they were running 15 minutes late. So it was like a hundred degrees and I had to stand outside. And then when they checked my temperature, they were like, you're too hot you have to leave. And I was like, no, I was just standing outside, you guys. I need this dentist appointment. I'm quitting my job next week, please. They let me in and then it was weird. Like then the girl in the back was like so lax about the mask. And I was like, you're really upsetting me because I just stood outside at your parking lot for 15 minutes. And now you're telling me I don't even need to wear it? Well, because they got to get in there. Well, I guess, but like the whole time she was talking to me and everything, you know, like the new patient, whatever, she was like, hey girl. And I was like, listen, I don't know if I'm girling anyone because I was, I'm hot and I'm upset, but it was a lovely teeth cleaning experience. I love the dentist. That's good. I went like five years without going into it. Wow. That's a pretty long time. But then I went and they're like, wow, your teeth look pretty good for someone who hasn't been to the dentist in five years. They're like, we wouldn't have been able to tell. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, good. Cause I never floss. I've started flossing every day. I really, really want to. But there's a lot of things I want to do. You really want to do. Yeah. So I'll get there. You know, it's just lower on my list of things I'm integrating into my daily routine. I get that. This really helped me. I don't know if it means anything to anybody else, but if it's enough of a reason to make other people want to floss, go for it. I really like my mouth to be clean when I'm done brushing my teeth. Like I want to wake up in the morning and still feel like my mouth is good. So when I was flossing my teeth after brushing my teeth, I was like, nah, but now I floss before and it's so good because I'll floss and rinse. So like anything that's really stuck deep down in your teeth, you know that that's already out. You flossed, you've rinsed, you're not gonna, you know, floss at the end. Like, have you ever brushed your teeth, flossed? There's been something gnarly in your back tooth and you're like, well, now I gotta brush my teeth again because it's kind of gross. Well, and you floss and then brush your teeth It just makes my mouth feel so much more clean. And brushing your teeth and flossing is a really good habit to get into because later in life, it usually means lower risk of heart disease. Because the same plaque that's in your mouth is the same plaque that's in your heart. Oh, snap. And teeth are a very important thing. I don't want to lose my teeth. I don't know if you know anybody who doesn't have their teeth, but it's not a fun situation. Do an episode on veneers, you guys. The follow-up care, when you mess with your teeth, they are never the same. That's all. Are you a nighttime flosser then? Yes, I'm a nighttime flosser. So the problem I have is I'm a mouth breather when I sleep. Ooh, I see, I see. I always wake up with like morning breath. It never feels clean in there when I wake up. Sometimes it feels extra stank in my mouth, but I think most times... But as a mouth breather, that happens. Yeah, it's really disappointing. It's like all that hard work I did last night. And I, <laughs> and I still wake up with breath like this. Like, how is that fair? Have you seen the people who like put tape over their mouth so they're not mouth breathers? I feel like I would suffocate myself. Well, and not even so much that, but it's just really interesting. 
more so what I wanted to talk about is that there's a specific type of tape that's like on the market that these people are buying that it's supposed to just like gently go over your mouth so that you're more so rather than your mouth just falling open you're more so breathing through your nose but I just think that that's such an industry to capitalize on to like make the tape no I don't think I could fall asleep okay this would be me going to bed Sometimes, you know, curly hair, I either put it on top of my head or I've tried a silk cap, but it's been way too fucking hot recently for the silk cap. But picture this silk cap. What do you call the eye mask thing? I guess just an eye mask, nighttime eye mask. Then I'll have my fucking Invisalign. Then I tape my mouth shut like (laughs) with my pimple my pimple patches. Would you star pimple patches? Yeah, at least they're stars, so they're cute. But I can't go to sleep like that. How am I supposed to fall asleep with tape on my mouth, first of all? And then I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to breathe through my mouth anyways, but then the tape is going to go suck back to the back of my throat, and I wake up choking on the tape. Oh, my gosh. This took such a turn. This is how it's going to (laughs) happen. If you get braces, you are going to probably need to be brushing your teeth. If you get braces, you are going to need to be flossing your teeth. I'm going to have to get the special flosser thingies to go in between. I do and I don't. But I'm also, I am considering Invisalign because I'm getting married next October. And what if the braces take longer? I don't want to have the braces on. That'd be so true. So I'm, I'm considering Invisalign for that reason. But again, I'm very forgetful. I don't trust myself that much. I trust myself more than I did when I was 16 to take care of the teeth situation, but I don't know if I can handle that. Like, And with that, let's check in next year. Hopefully we have all of our teeth and Taylor might even have braces. Oh God. Or I'll have a lisp the whole time we're recording season two with my fucking Invisalign in. That's what you have to look forward to, people. I'm not going to let you take them out. Like, this is active Invisalign time. It will, honestly, it will need to be. Like, because snacking, eating, that means I have to brush my teeth at lunch. Oh, my God. Uh, I can't even mimic a list, but I would definitely have one because I had those clear retainers after the last time I had braces. And every time I wore them, I had a list. So... I'm, like, very close to having a lisp most days anyways. Like, very, very close. It comes out every now and then. I think you pull it off. When I start saying a lot of P's and S's, it'll sometimes slip its way into the conversation. Well, maybe even post-braces, I wonder if you would feel that your diction is better because your teeth align better. Yeah, and I do think my diction is something I need to work on at times. Well, it just isn't lisps diction. Isn't that the same? Isn't that like the same idea or am I going sideways? I just am worried that I just dissed your diction and I don't want it to come across that way. There's room for improvement there, so it's okay. (laughs) So season two, real quick, a little of what you guys have to look forward to, my list. In addition to that, we are kind of updating Honey and Heart overall. We feel like we have a much better Honey and Heart was born and now it's really developed its own personality. And we're just going to lean into its strengths and where it's going. And we're going to talk some more about pop culture, some more about some future forecasting of where things are going in the workplace and in the world in general. And I think you guys are really going to like it. I think so, too. And I think 
I'm very excited about it. I hope that that's coming across. This podcast has been so fun and I'm feeling really amped up even like we're trying to wind down this episode, but I still want to talk so much more. It's good things that are coming and we've been able to better understand what we're doing and get better at it. And the goal is to just keep getting better. And we appreciate your openness and your flexibility as we figure out what we're doing and we figure out our voices. And thanks for listening. And so you don't lose us in our little hiatus, make sure you're following us on Instagram at honeyandheartpod.com. Sign up for our email list. We're hoping to send some cool stuff out over our break as well. And holy shit, you guys, episodes every week next year. I'm pumped. So pumped. If we could afford the rights, cue level up by Sierra right now. (laughs) But we can't, so you'll get our soundtrack instead. Well, thank you so much for listening and being a part of our community in the chaos. We'll see you next year. Bye, Taylor. Bye, Jacqueline. (laughs) 